Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast as promised, moving along in the Gospel of John weekly uh, with 30-minute episodes. Jameson is back. Russ is on vacation, and um, he's getting a little bit of a, a break. And I just want to—I just want to say, man, before we start this, Jameson, man, I just want to—I just want to acknowledge you, man. Like in your work with Lark, bro, you do a lot, man. Um, you're really, really connected to the people that are reaching out um, and wanting to have the conversation of Jesus with us. There's going to be a tie-in to that mm. with the story of Nicodemus. Um, you spend a lot of time on the phone with a lot of people, a lot of time on the road and in their driveways and in their lives, hearing their stories. Um, you rock the blog and the blogcast. If you're not reading the Lark blog, dude, you're freaking missing out. And he's made it easy oh, for you if you're not a reader. He actually reads it out loud in the in the blogcast. So you can go find that wherever you get your podcasts. Um and uh yeah dude you're doing some social media stuff you're doing some community stuff you're doing some writing and some theology stuff and i just want to say man that i am very thankful for you and our community is blessed because of you amen thanks dude really glad to be invited and welcomed into that too you guys have been a blast to work with and i've i've learned more in the last two years (laughs) than i feel like i have in a long time and I went, I, that's saying a lot. I'm like, dude, I went to Bible college and tried to be a pastor and all that stuff. And like, now I feel like my <laughs> mind's just getting exploded. <laughs> well, you did it for a long time. How long were you pastoring in Chicago? Um, lived there for 13 years, worked with the church for 10. I was an elder for seven of those years. Um, yeah. 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 A long time. That's awesome, man. So Cheers to you, dude, and cheers to um, this conversation, because I think the story of Nicodemus, um, which is kind of like on the front end of John 3.16, which is the famous verse, not a lot of people know that the John 3.16 is couched in this conversation. Yeah. It's couched in the conversation that Jesus is having with this dude named Nicodemus and Nicodemus is one of my most favorite characters in the gospel of John, because this is not going to be the first time that you hear about him and his story plays out in small little snippets. You'll see John bring him up, you know, a few times and the way it lands and ends with his story is totally awesome. I don't want to give it away because I want people to just kind of like experience, you know, Nicodemus as he is in this moment. And in this conversation, we're going to be covering John three, one to 15. I'm just going to go ahead and read it and then we can, uh, we can dive in. So it says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So this dude is a big deal in the Jewish religious uh, community. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him by night, mind you, rabbi, we know that you are a teacher 
come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Not even really so much a question as it is an acknowledgement, like just kind of letting you know, like where his heart's at a bit. He doesn't come like you'll see later on. The Pharisees come with maybe questions that try to try to trap Jesus or try to trip him up. I think he's genuinely noticing this about him. He's drawn in. He's coming with a genuine heart to like seek. He wants to know more. He doesn't come with a crowd. Right. Because if you come with a crowd, then like you're not really going to get that one on one time. Like he has like some real personal kind of like inquiries here and some, you know, some some stirrings. So it's not really a question, just more just an acknowledgement. You know, he's just engaging him, you know, but Jesus, he has a way to just cut to the quick, dude. You know, he just (laughs) gets he gets to the getting, bro. Right. So in verse three, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, Jesus, thank you for fast tracking this conversation like by an hour. Like he just gets right to it. Um, No handshake. No. Hey, man, what's going on? Nice to meet you. You know, no pleasantries. Um, He's like, I know. I know what you're asking. You want to know how to see and enter the kingdom. So we're just going to get, we're just going to get to it. And I say to you, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, he's taking this in a very literal way. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Which dude, please don't go down the rabbit trail of like trying to visualize that. (laughs) just just horrifying (laughs) oh my gosh um you know we're mostly mostly we're here to encourage you with the lark cast um but sometimes we're here to just kind of make you like throw up a little bit in your mouth so please don't don't think too much about verse four other than nicodemus is like thinking about this very very literally Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus again replies to him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you don't understand these things. So it takes a little bit of a shot, maybe, you know, like, Hey man, like you're supposed to be steeped in the scriptures. You are close to like this whole story, um, but you don't really understand these things. And in verse 11, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. So curious, what's the we here? How come all of a sudden Jesus is getting like, like he's pluralizing this? It's just these two guys at night. Um, he goes, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and yet you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him 
may have eternal life. And then the very next verse is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So that 316 is couched in this conversation, but like most people mm-hmm. just focus in on 16, like we talked about this pre-show and they neglect so much going on around it, especially after 316. Like there's just some insane stuff. I could add that to this conversation, but I feel like it needs an entire episode in and of itself. So, but there's plenty here to dive into. Yeah. And let's just focus in on Nicodemus really, really quick before we get into some of the born again spirit type stuff. Um, he he is he's a he's a somebody among the Pharisees. And usually the Pharisees get lumped all together, right? So it's like broadly, John would just say, or the, the, the Bible writers would just say the Pharisees. But Nicodemus is a reminder that there were some among this crew that didn't really go along with that broader group or where that broader group kind of like eventually the bigger voices or the maybe the mob kind of like took over in their approach to Jesus to hating him, plotting his murder, and eventually killing him there were some in there like nicodemus who were genuine seekers they were genuinely curious about jesus and even believed but some didn't speak up but nicodemus is one who kind of did follow that conversation he kind of did follow his curiosity even though he knew it was risky to do so so i'm just going to read john 12 42 to 43 it says this nevertheless many even of the authorities Many even of this crew right here believed in Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. There were consequences, religious, social, cultural, financial consequences in this day to trusting in Jesus. And we're going to see that play out in a, in a, in a pretty big way in this gospel, but Nicodemus, here he is at night, he's seeking Jesus out, and he's got some stirrings deep, deep in his heart, and he's got some questions. I got to believe that he's shaken because this story comes on the heels of Jesus cleansing the temple. (laughs) This is the dude who just showed up. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God, right? Right. He just wiped everything out of there proclaimed himself to be the fulfillment of the whole thing and they're all questioning his authority well nicodemus is showing up probably shaking in his boots because he's like you're not no one jesus but he's unwilling to say anything other than you're a teacher who's from god god is with you Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's he's not going all in on what what's been revealed about jesus already yeah and i think I don't think this is the main point of what's going on here, but can we just pause to talk about the phenomena of Nicodemus coming at night and just pursuing the conversation of Jesus within your story and what that might mean for a number of people. And over the years, we have had a bunch of people reach out to us, elders at churches, lead pastors everyday people who have reached out to Lark to have the conversation of Jesus, to press into 
this freedom and this liberty that you spoke of in the last episode and that we've been speaking of for about since the beginning. Um, and oftentimes we find that the people that we connect with, their current communities, their current leadership, their current pastors, they're not safe spaces. Hmm. In fact, bro, we have, we have really seen a lot of people live out that John 12, 42 to 43, that they've been called heretics, that they've been rejected by their churches, church planters, um, funding removed, um, you know, for wanting, um, for, for starting to share good news in the way that, that we're, we're seeing it here in the large cast and in our community for going about ministry in the way that we're going about ministry. So this is a very real thing. And I think Nicodemus is a representative of the kind of people that are pressed into the conversation we're having right now. I think so. I think you say funding removed and that's not a joke. Funding has been removed. Yes. For various reasons that are related to this conversation. Uh, I can say that even personally, not removed, but denied. Um, Mm. Two different pastors wouldn't even have a conversation with me where I was asking for funding and relationship with a church as like a sending church. Right. Cause I, a yeah. lot of what I do is like a missionary and they were like, yeah, this is not at all inside our paradigm of ministry. Mm-hmm. We think what you're doing is what the church, the local church should be doing. Hmm. Um, and I was, yeah, I was just completely taken aback by that. I was like, are you saying what we're doing? Isn't part of the local church and as <laughs> local church. Right. Oh, that was, that was, uh, put me into a tailspin. Speaking um, of that temple mentality that still exists. Yeah. I think you're spot on. Nicodemus is very much a, a type that we can all identify with coming under the shadow of night. He's, he's got questions and he's not sure. Right. He's like, boy, this sounds like it could be too good to be true, but it means I'm wrong about everything. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I think too, like, again, coming by night, coming individually, coming solo. And the reality that there, there aren't really a lot of, you know, really um, secure and safe places to express your doubt, maybe to even say, man, I'm, I'm doubting a body of doctrine, I'm doubting a body of theology, I'm questioning a number of things that were, you know, were handed to me. Because this conversation like identifying yourself with Jesus is a risky thing. And I think it was this way in the first century for sure. And it is this way today for sure, because if the authorities and other Pharisees risk being put out of the synagogue, meaning you got booted out of your church, you're no longer, you're no longer allowed to be a part of this community. I mean, you might as well have cut people off from God altogether really at that point. Right. Um, and the implications of all that, the shame that would come on that, you know, just the personal, just pain that would come from that. There's a similar risk today. And it seems like identifying yourself with Jesus 
man, both within the church and without the church as, as you know, it's risk because everybody seems to be pretty religious right now. I think I, what did I say pre-show the religion of the religious and the religion of the irreligious. Yes. You know, and yep. when I meet people in my city, um, and I, it comes out, you know, cause I, I can meet them through business. I can meet them just casually. And in, in some of the spaces that conversation, it it's, it goes really slow. It goes really slow and it usually doesn't really come out and get on us until it's like one-on-one or under the cover of night. So yeah. there is something, I don't think it's the main, it's not the main thrust of this passage, but there is something about Nicodemus that is very, very true to our human experience when it comes to this conversation that I just felt like we needed to just press into. Yeah. If you're feeling that apprehension, you are not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And to all my, all my buds that, you know, maybe you low key listen to the Lark cast without letting me know or somebody else know, <laughs> just know, man, like my driveway is always open. The phone, the text, you know, all of it. Russ is here. Jameson's here. I'm here. Um, man, don't hesitate um, to reach out and to have the conversation. You will be met with open arms and all your doubting and unbelief and Bible verse questions. And how can you say that? And what about this? And we welcome arguing in honesty, you know, we welcome yep. all that. Um, so, and Jesus does, and Jesus gets right to the heart of it, which is, which is what I love. He got, he, he cuts right to the quick he goes, Nicodemus, here's what, here's what I know you're asking, man. How, how do I connect to the King? How do I connect to the King? And he says, you have to be born again. Later on, he says, you have to be born of water and spirit. I don't want to get into the weeds on what this might mean, because I think there's something like more true about it, no matter what view you take. Cause some people think that water and baptism is basically like, it's, 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 it's baptism being so closely tied to, you know, like regeneration or being, you know, you know, salvation, you know, being kind of like spiritually awakened to the truth of who Jesus is. Last week, you talked about not many people are getting it. Well, later in, in the story, you're going to see the disciples are starting to kind of like, finally, like their minds are opening up to the reality of who he is. They're coming to see he truly is the son of God and what as the son of God, how he reveals what God is really like and how, how God has involved himself in our lives and how we are to involve himself in his life. And the reality of that, we come to find out it's not about works. It's not about our ascending up to him. It's about his descending down to us. It's about something he has done, not something we are doing. So some people think it's like how baptism and, and that spiritual awakening salvation is kind of closely tied together. Some people just think water is a reference to like um, embryonic fluid, like natural water birth kind of a thing. So you're born naturally and spiritually to birth. And then the one that always kind of made the most sense to me, because he says like, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things in Ezekiel 36, there's this allusion to washing us clean, clean with water. Um, and being born of the spirit, the spirit kind of like coming and residing in us and in our hearts. Um, that one always kind of made a little bit more sense to me. But regardless, what he's talking about is he's talking about new birth and new life. 
meaning that Jesus isn't interested in improvement. He's not interested in you taking strides spiritually. Um, he's not interested in improving you, taking sinners and making them into good people or taking already religious people and turning them into even better people. He is about death and life. So whatever it is, in order to be born twice, you must experience the death of the life you now think you have. Whatever life you think you have, and it's probably a life either that is one that's working maybe in concert with God to be the kind of person that God would accept, or maybe the life you think you have right now is one that's independent of God, that like exists apart from him, right? Or you think that there are a number of things in your life that kind of count in this whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. All that needs to die. It all needs to be crushed and crucified to awaken to the newness of life that is brought to us by Jesus in the announcement that there is nothing you bring to the table, that all your righteousness that you think is contributing to this thing is actually just a big sign, a glowing sign that you need to cross all the more. Um, thinking that somehow God is impressed with your righteousness. It all needs to die, dude. It all needs to die. And Nicodemus, you're curious right now. You're asking questions, but what I'm telling you is you need to experience a death and a rebirth to find new life in Christ in the announcement that is finished and there's no condemnation and that I've come down. I've come down to do it all so that you don't think that this is an ascension or a ladder up to me, but actually from where you are, right where your feet touch the ground, look up to me <laughs> and trust, right? Which is what he's alluding to with that, that Moses reference later on. Um, and we can get into that, but I'll pause and, yeah. and just give you a, a chance to chime in here. Yeah. I'm thinking about the, think about the word investment. Okay. Like th that's, what's going on here is Nicodemus is considering the ramifications of investing in something that's different and opposite than everything he ever knew in the past. Mm. And he recognizes, which is why he's apprehensive, that his security is at stake as a result. And he's not sure yet. It's just like when you're using your money. Like if you are someone who invests a huge amount of income and, and finances and assets, you're taking a risk hmm. putting everything in all these buckets, knowing you could lose them. Well, spiritually, we have, we have the same mentality. And I think that may actually be the thing that Jesus is, is showing like, look, and he, Jesus does this several times, right? He, the question pops up, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Mm -hmm. His answers are always absurd. They're like, he, he talks about utterly impossible things, things you would never even try. Cause you just know it's not going to work. Right. Rebirth. <laughs> you can't be born again out of your mother like you can't mm -hmm. you can't fit 
the camel through the eye of a needle, you can't and you won't give away all of your possessions. You, you won't be like the Samaritan. You just, you won't be like that guy. Right. You're not, you're not going to be that good. What is impossible with man is possible with God. I can't help but see some of that same stuff going on here. Like Nicodemus, I know you're wondering if I'm the real deal, if I'm like actually sent from God, um, I'm just going to come out and tell you, you cannot see the kingdom the way you see it. I, that's fascinating. He, I don't know if you've thought about that or what you studied, but he cannot see the kingdom of God is what's in the translation I have here. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's about, I mean, repentance is about seeing something. The, mm-hmm. the, the Jesus coming, John 1 18. Um, no one knows the father, but the only one who is at the right hand side of the father has come to make him known. This is about yeah. seeing something. Yeah. This is about, this is about Jesus revealing what God is like. And wow. what's crazy in John's gospel is you get resurrection in the one that you did last week. And now you get cross right away. Jesus knows for God. So loved the world for God. So loved the world. He loved it. So he loved it this much. And in this way that he gave as a gift to the world, the son, right in his death and in his resurrection. Think about what Nicodemus, what kind of detail he gets here that maybe some of these other Pharisees don't. So some of the other interactions, you see them really like, you know, it, it, you get this crisis of capacity stuff. He's messing with them, right? In, in a sense, he is revealing, he's making his father known, but it's not this kind of detail that Nicodemus gets in quiet of like, man, the sun's going to be lifted up. <laughs> He's, yeah. he's, God's going to give him over to the world. And it's no wonder that Nicodemus's story ends the way it does, because as he watches the story of Jesus unfold and he actually dies and actually raises again, he's kind of like the disciples in the passage you read last week. It's like, dude, he remembered the verse. He remembered the, he, he remembered what Jesus said, not the verse, but he remembered what Jesus said. Yeah. He exactly. remembered this conversation. Holy cow, dude. I remember that first night I went to him and Nicodemus is kind of timid throughout, but like towards the end, like his death, Nicodemus really identifies with the body of Jesus in a cool way. And he's remembering this conversation. Holy cow. The son of man must be lifted up. (laughs) That son of man, the son of man was going to be given as a gift. And then you see that just emboldening his faith. So I think when you wow. come to Jesus with like authenticity, just a heart of faith and just what I, when I'm and that faith could be super small, just, just in honesty. And you can come honestly with all your pushback. You can come honestly with all your unbelief. You can come honestly with all your questions because you know how it is, dude, Dick. you can ask questions in two different ways. Sometimes questions are statements. Yep. Well, what about this? That's, that's not, you're not asking a question. You're just, you're, you're, you're making a statement. You're making a faith, a belief statement in the form of a question. You're not genuinely interested in getting an answer to that. But then, you know, the difference with people who are genuinely asking questions, they're open Mm -hmm. to man, the, the, you know, the whole thing. So he gets this kind of detail from him in the honesty of that.
I think that's pretty wow. cool. And that I, I, lo- cool. I love your, uh, <laughs> I loved your investment thing. Cause it really puts it, it puts it in perspective of what's at stake for him. Like, yeah, dude, yeah. like, okay. Am I going to risk being put out of the synagogue <laughs> and bringing my family through this, you know, to yeah. like rock with you, man. <laughs> like, you know, like that's yeah. Is it, I don't, I heard read something about like in verse 10, my translation here, CSB says, are you a teacher? But I'm pretty sure a bunch of them say the teacher. Mm. And it's like, dude, if this guy is the teacher, right? Like, or at least leader of all, or a bunch of other teachers. Yeah, you're right, man. It's he, he's putting a lot on the line and he, he comes at night here. And it's at night when he deals with Jesus' body too, right? I don't remember if that's the case, but. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely in the obscurity of, you know, he goes, he goes before whatever kind of person is in charge of the body. Yeah, I think he identifies himself to Roman authorities and says with Joseph of Arimathea saying, can, can we have the body of Jesus? Yeah. And then he helps him prepare his body, you know, for the grave. Wow. The thing that's popping in my head right now is like if this is the teacher even if he's not the lead teacher of all israel but he's one of them i think we, it's safe to assume he's high up it's like jesus is saying to him and even like using this the last story about clearing the temple if we put these together your way of getting to god is going to kill god and Nicodemus doesn't see it yet. I don't think, I don't Mm. think he gets it. And I don't, I don't know when he does or what that even means, but sure. There's this, I think when I think about some of the people I've talked with and met with and myself and my story, I'm like, dude, I, I put myself so quickly in the seat of the judge. Meaning I, I, I approach spirituality even and mission and being a missionary or just a person, I, yeah. I almost approach it automatically from this position of like, I'm the decider. <laughs> I'm the, if it doesn't fit into my brain, can it really make sense? And that's pretty, pretty backwards. Um, I'll share this little story because the, a couple of weeks ago, floored me in like an amazing way i've spent a lot of time on the phone with people and this one guy in particular he's an addict um he's a pastor none of those are hidden from each other which is really cool um but he and i have been talking a lot about it like exactly what you said tony like we're exploring all of this on phone calls i'm not in his church and he doesn't feel like he can really explore any of this in his church with the, right. even any of his christian friends he's like yeah. i have an easier time talking to my friend who's got his own record of reasons to not be in a church that guy's easier to talk to about all of this he doesn't even believe in jesus um but we're talking on the phone and i shared a story with him from a, a pastor and a friend that i deeply respect this guy he tells this story. He's like, look, the love of God is like a father who's sitting in his, his chair in the living room. And, you know, he's telling his own stories. Like I'm sitting in my chair in my living room. It's early morning, just got my paper open. And my grandson walks in the door, sees the back of my head over the chair and just tears around the front, 
jumps on my lap with one of the books and is like ready to go wants to read and he's like i'm just beside myself that he wants to do this <laughs> and then here comes his friend right behind him and his friend does the same thing <laughs> like this isn't his grandson it's his grandson's friend they both right. end up sitting there and he's he's like weeping he's like i can't believe that this is happening and it's a picture of what god is really like mm. because jesus is the son who shows up to sit on my lap and is totally absorbed in the father's love well the, the son brings the friend like that's us that's you and that's me by way of the son the yep. lap of the father is a safe place yeah and how many of us have had that experience as a friend in someone else's grandparents' house? Like, no mm -hmm. way, dude. I'm like, dude, you smell different. You work <laughs> and do things different. This is not automatic. You got creepy it's... spots on your skin, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and when the father sees that, when the grandfather sees that son come in skeptical and apprehensive and like, I just don't know, his heart's breaking. He's not angry with that questioning child yeah and when i shared that with this dude on the phone i mean i don't i think something moved in him because he he was like wow dude he said wow like six times with like six seconds in between each one he's like i, I that that's exactly right that's exactly what god is like and i can't mm. for the life of me trust that or as we said here like i can't invest all of it into that that's just too too risky yeah and i think there's something about awakening to that love that it it puts your entire the entirety of your life and belief prior to that discovery it places it in such a place that you could actually refer to it as a death wow <laughs> because you move you move away from associating yourself with it so much that you are an entirely new person found in Christ. So everything you thought that was you, everything that you thought that was to your credit, made you respectable, lovable, made you acceptable before God, all literally is just becomes ir completely irrelevant. And all you have left is just Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that is your new identity. So why would someone risk this? Like, dude, if you're a Pharisee, if you're a ruler of the Pharisees, dude, like religiously speaking in a very religious community, you have it made. That's like CEO level, co-founder, CMO, whatever you want to say. Like you have a position that's like insane. and to be able to get to a place where you're able to just walk away from that. That's more than risk reward, man. That's more than pros and cons. That's like getting to a place where you just see that Jesus truly is the son of God and that he's it, man. I mean, think about it, man. Like how, how do you get to a place like Nicodemus, the, that, that risk assessment, like, it's never going to be like this, you know, the pros outweigh the cons, you know, kind of a thing. It's literally like getting to a place where you, 
it's revealed to you the love of God in Christ <laughs> to where you're able to just like be found in him and everything else just fades and becomes like Paul, like where it's just rubbish. It's just a pile of shit. Yeah. And all you have left is just him. And you're like, yeah, dude, like, this is it. This is all I got. Do not be amazed <laughs> that I told you this. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Don't be amazed. Actually, be amazed what? when it happens. <laughs> be amazed when it actually happens. Yeah. That's when you're going to be amazed. Um, when it actually happens, Nicodemus, when you actually come to see that I really am who I am, that is going to be the thing that allows you to endure the pain of communal rejection, the rejection of people. Again, go back to the John 12 thing. They didn't confess him for they love the approval that comes from man instead of the uh, they they love the glory from man, not the glory from from God. They're focusing on belonging in an in an in an earthly way. And again, dude, like I get it because those fears are very, very real. Yeah. And I think one of the last strongholds that we camp out in is at least in our day and age right now, which we have to realize and learn. It's actually a pretty unique time and way of thinking, but Robert Capon draws this out. He's like, one of the last strongholds that you hang on to is your view of hell. What you think hell must be. <laughs> You're not going to let me preach grace because it conflicts with the way you've been preaching hell. You're so stuck on God being the one who's going to have the final cosmic redemptive backhand to set things right. And that's what you think ju the judgment and justice of God is. Um, and he's like, yeah, you're la that's going to be your last pushback, but I will, I will overcome even that, which is a dying God who became human is it's his ultimate submission to our obsession with retribution and with tit for tat and with you did a, so you get B. <laughs> Dang man. Good stuff. You know, it's a real shame that like the whole phrase like born again became this like thing, oh. you know, like a born again Christian or yeah. whatever, you know, and I wonder if that's, um, I don't, don't want to get like too like overly spiritual or whatever, but there is an enemy, you know, and like the enemy to just like mess with wording and language that is meant to convey real truths and turn them into just like, oh, just like born again, just shut up. <laughs> yep. I don't want to hear that. Oh, yeah, that's. That's a painful point. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But man, uh, cheers, bros. Good doing the podcast with you. Two episodes back to back. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks for having me.